With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi guys, Liz Wheeler here. I have a really interesting interview for you today. This is, I'm going to talk to the founder of the 1776 Project Pact. If you have not heard of this pact, well, let me tell you, there has been a lot of disappointment, a lot of frustration, a lot of even anger, I think. I felt a little angry after the midterms when we didn't see the red tsunami. We didn't see Congress take back, or Republicans take back both the House and the Senate. We didn't see these this tidal wave of Republicans, right? Even though we owned public opinion on so many hot button issues, it didn't translate to the polls. But what has not been focused on, I actually mentioned this to you guys the day after the election when we were doing our post-mortem, what is not being mentioned is the successes at the lower level seats in government. And when I say lower level, it doesn't mean that they're less influential. It just means they're not, they don't, they're not at the federal level. They don't have the mainstream media spotlight on them. But from November of 2021 to November of 2022, 100 school board seats have been flipped from liberal to Republican across the country and six states, this is after the 2022 midterms, six states now have school boards in their entirety that were flipped from majority liberal and now they have majority conservative. And Ryan Gerdusky is the founder of the 1776 Project Pack and he's the one, he's the architect of this. He's responsible for these school board seat victories that conservatives now own much more influence over what our children are being taught in school. So I wanna talk to him today. Ryan, good to see you. Good. Thanks for having me on, Liz. Yeah, of course. So I, I want to hear, first of all, back up a little bit and tell me about the 1776 Project Pack. Where did you get this idea? How do you go about this? How do you choose these candidates? I want to I want to hear the whole story. Yeah, so I started back in May of 2021, right? No, yeah, May of 2021. During COVID, obviously schools were locked down. I have a very big family. I have 36 first cousins and I'm the eldest of all of them. And um, one of my, my godson was in class and his teacher uh, made the class read the book Race Cars, which is a book about white privilege for children in, in like fourth grade, fifth grade, which is what he's in. And she went on a tirade about how police, they, they chase only black cars, not white cars, um, and gave this very anti-police rant to his class. But it was during COVID, so his class was at home. It was in Google Classroom or whatever the app was. And um, his mom called me and other parents in the area called me and they said, what do we do? How do we get a hold of people? And I was like, well, this is probably just a one teacher issue. But then I certainly realized very quickly that it wasn't, that this was a problem happening in classrooms across the countries with teachers across the countries. Um, so I said, let me see what I could do. I've done elections my entire professional life. I could start a pack for school board elections. So that's what I did. I created this pack. It's a play on the words of the 1619 Project, which is being taught in thousands of classrooms, which is a historically inaccurate version of American history that teaches kids that um, the American Revolution was fought over slavery, which obviously wasn't true, and that capitalism was built off slavery, which also wasn't true. And um, and so I said, I'm going to take on, on these school districts that have 
these very left-wing uh, progressive viewpoint, especially on civics and history and CRT and DEI and the rest of the stuff. So I started it and I called a few of my reporter friends to see if they would cover it. Axios did. Tucker had me on. Laura Ingram had me on. And the thing blew up and it became a real movement. And the first the first year that I did it, because we weren't a known entity at all, um, I had an assistant at the time named Brian. And I was like, Brian, here are the states that are holding school board elections. Um, go on Facebook and type in like concerned parents of Pennsylvania. Like, let's just find school board candidates and like tell them we're going to endorse them and campaign for them and interview them and ask them about their like opinions on these issues. And we did, and we won 42 of our first 58 races. And then we were kind of off to, um, off to the running. And so this last year we've done, I, it feels like forever, but we've done well over 85 races. We've won um, over 60 of them. We still have this over 60% win rate um, between the two years combined. Um, and we uh, and we were able to flip elections, literally uh, school board elections in a dozen states. And we were able to win Ryan Walter's seat for the state superintendent race of um, Oklahoma. So we've definitely made super progress. And the good thing is, is that there's other parent groups, local parent groups, we're the only national ones that do school board elections um, as a pack. But there's a lot of local elections that have really expanded significantly. Um, and that has been really helpful. Okay, so my first reaction to hearing you tell this story is I actually love the fact that this is what I would call very, very grassrootsy. Like you don't have this complicated algorithm of how you determine who's the best candidate. You went on Facebook and you went to parents groups, angry parents groups. <laughs> and I say that positively. <laughs> parents should be angry about what's happening to their children in school. And you picked candidates. How did you determine who would fully understand the the political enemy that we're facing. One of the things I say all the time on my show is if we don't acknowledge the reality of the political enemy that we are facing in this country, then we won't fight well to defeat that political enemy or that political ideology. How, how do you choose these parents? Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, I mean, I would ask some questions like, "What's going on in your school district?" First of all, I'd ask them like serious policy, like serious questions of like, "How many students are in your district? How many schools?" What's your superintendent's name? I want to make sure they're serious candidates. They're not just throwing their name on a ballot and hoping for the best. They actually want to be part of a governing body. And then um, just to know that they know the information. And I would ask them, if you were in charge of education, a very open-ended question, what is your vision? What do you hope that education in your area would look like in 10 years if you were completely in charge? I ask a lot of candidates I work, work for who run for Congress and Senate the same exact thing because I think... Knowing the problem is certainly important, but having a vision of the future is equally as important. And then I asked them, about, what is the problem? Because some people there is, I mean, everyone thinks that their school district has an issue. And, you know, there's a lot of issues in, in places, but some are very minute. Some are really a personality issue with maybe a teacher specifically or a principal in one or two areas. Um, and then some are endemic within the system. And it's those places that I really want to be part of. 
Um, and I ask them for examples. Can you show me proof? I don't like to feed into hyperbole without actual evidence. So say, can you show me like, uh, what your school is teaching? Can you show me where CRT is being taught in your school? Can you show me the transgender policy? So if they are serious candidates and they're running in a district, I don't care if it's a blue district or a red district, we've won in both kinds of areas and very blue areas that voted for Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. And we've won in red areas as well. But I want to make sure they're very serious people and they have the knowledge that they're not going to just run to cause a stink and and scream and yell and then not know how to actually make a change once they're in the place that they're in. What answer are you looking for when you ask them the question what they envision the education system in their in their district to look like in 10 years? Well, I don't have like a specific thing they have to answer yes or no to. What I would like them to sit there and say is I'd like them to talk about, well, I like them to talk about merit. I like them to talk about the idea of raising educational standards because that's important. I want I want us to live in a smart country or a country that uh, where work, hard work is rewarded. Um, I was not a good student in school. Um, and I was, I was really actually a very poor student for most of my life in school. Um, and I was never, I was in advanced history, but besides I was never in an advanced AP class in my life. Um, but I appreciate kids who were. I never wanted another child not to get that opportunity just because I didn't, because I slacked off. Um, and I appreciate that we live in a world that had a Steve Jobs and a Bill Gates and a Elon Musk, even though I was never going to be one of those people. And so when we talk about things like merit and the idea of advanced classes, which they're trying to gut in many different places, or the idea of trying to um, get rid of uh, magnet schools, um, I want to hear them talk about that. I want to hear them talk about parental involvement. I want to hear them talk about um, the overall idea of how kids are in K through eight, at least, especially, um, hear about this country, hear about the building of this country. Uh, because you can have criticisms of the history of the United States. It's perfectly your right as a citizen. Um, but I think your, 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 your starting point should be that this is a good place, that in the end, we have done more good than we have harm in this country. And every chance that we can, we've always looked to self-improve. Um, and I think that that's a really important starting place for kids to learn. Ed public education is not just to make kids smart or to make them know the very basics. It's to also make them, uh, public education is a social good, to sit there and to allow children to know that, um, uh, that this institution of public education, this institution of schools is to teach you to love the institution of the United States to teach you to appreciate the institutions that were created in this country. Because I don't have children as of right now, but I pay a lot of money for other people's children to go to school because I feel like it makes us all better citizens. And when I am older, I want them to continue this country by believing in these institutions. When you are told that the very fabric of the, of the nation is racist and sexist and, and took, you know, killed Native Americans and we're on stolen land and capitalism is bad and you repeat every liberal talking point possible, then what incentive do you have to continue the institution of the United States? What incentive do you have to sit there and build this country out? You don't. You want to rip it down. You want to tear it apart. You want to transform it into something completely different. And that's the dangerous part of what they're teaching with CRT. It's not just that it makes the subjects poor. It sits there and teaches children you should be an active revolutionary 
in this new country we're trying to build because everything that your fathers and your forefathers have created is inherently evil. And that's a very bad concept to continue in education. I think what you're articulating is actually what the original understanding of public education was in our country. And that is that the public school system, it's government-run schools is what I prefer to call it actually versus public school system. But government-run schools are going to be sources of indoctrination. We just have to make a decision. Are we going to indoctrinate children into pro-American, pro-Judeo-Christian morals? Or are we going to allow the left to indoctrinate children with Marxism and atheism and every other bad and evil ideology in the world? But they're never going to be a neutral playing field where you just go to learn arithmetic and you just go to learn um, you just go to learn facts and figures. It, it is going to be a place where children are indoctrinated. That's exactly right, Liz. But it was, oh, see, I, one of the biggest criticisms I got when I started this organization is you want to sit there and politicize education. Uh, I didn't start the fire, to quote Billy Joel. You know, I didn't make this like this. Going back to the 40s in this country, and I'm sure I'm back before that, but going back to the 40s, there was a real public conversation of can socialists, can registered communists teach in our schools? And in 1949, the NEA said, no, they cannot, and fired every registered communist from being a public school teacher. There were arguments over the Pledge of Allegiance. There were arguments, obviously, over school prayer. So the idea that we've always approached this education, idea of education from this neutral standpoint, just to teach kids, you know, how to read and write is incorrect. And it doesn't have to be overtly, um, you know, not patriotic, but for lack of a better term, overtly patriotic. They don't have to learn that America never did anything wrong. But the basics, the basis of our entire worldview is, is that we are for the good. We are an actor in good overall. And even bad things that have happened in the history of our country have made the world a better place. So yes, things have happened that are, that have been terrible. We have course corrected them over and over and over to make them better, to try to remedy those situations. And not only that, but we are the country that freed a hundred million souls from communism. We are the country that ended um, Nazism in the world. We are the country that continually spends billions of dollars trying to end human slavery and human trafficking along the entire world. That is what we have done in our recent history, let alone go back even further. But the Americans who built this country are great men. They are greater men than you and, and women, but they are greater men and women that you should aspire to be like because we are a great country and a great people. And although I do not share the DNA of uh, you know Thomas Jefferson, I do not look at him and have the same pigmentation that he does. He is still my forefather in the great American vision. And and just like I don't share the pigmentation or the skin color or the religion of Benjamin Franklin or, you know, other great leaders in our history, the third good marshal, that doesn't matter because we are we what we don't have in a unified racial component of our country. We do have in the idea of being American and it's more than just an idea, but we are a people. We just happen to be a very uh, a people of, of a multiracial makeup. Yeah, and this idea that you're articulating too, this was actually Thomas Jefferson's idea for public education when he was accounting for um, what was happening at the University of Virginia, a publicly funded university. He was talking about forming young people, yes, not, not primary grades, but young people into being patriotic American citizens. So this is an age-old idea of the American education system. Let me ask you, Ryan, when an individual parent 
wins a school board seat and is seated on a school board for their child's school district, how much influence do they have over what is being taught to their child on a day-to-day basis in that classroom? So it depends on what what the school district is and the powers. Um, uh, What they can do immediately is fire the superintendent. The superintendent and um, creates the apparatus that a lot of DEI and CRT are pushed out in. So I often say I don't blame a lot of teachers. Most teachers are good. Think of every teacher person you knew in grammar school who want to be a teacher. Mostly like usually a woman, very kind of apolitical, wanted summers off to spend with their kids. Like that's the idea of most teachers. They're not like political warriors. There are a few that are bad apples, but there's a few bad apples in any industry. Like there's someone burning a McDonald's French fry right now. There's always a few bad apples, but mostly they're good people. And we've seen over the last couple of years with school shootings, teachers are willing to lay down their lives for their students. So I don't blame, I, I do not demonize teachers on purpose. The superintendents and the public and the public administrators are the ones who oftentimes force teachers into pushing a lot of the stuff. So they can immediately fire and hire a new superintendent. And many school districts that we have backed have done that. Another area that they have a lot of authority in is over the apps. Most schools, especially post-COVID, use apps and educational assistance programs to sit there and help teach students. Um, A lot of apps are woke. A lot of apps that are free have advertisements. They sell children's data. This is a huge, huge, huge problem coming into the education sphere over the next few years. That is a big thing that they have complete oversight over. And they control the budgets. So if a teacher, if a, if a principal sits there and says, hey, we're going to fund Drag Queen Story Hour, the school board can sit there and pull funding for it. Um, and they do have some oversight over books that go to libraries and some of the textbooks that go into the classrooms. So they don't have direct, they can't sit there and yell at a teacher and dress them down for teaching a certain way. But they do have oversight when it comes to curriculum, uh, ed tech. Um, school uh, textbooks, funding, and superintendents, most importantly. That seems like pretty, that pr- seems pretty significant amount of influence to yeah. me for winning a school board seat here. Um, wh- what happens? T- t- take me to the next level of this. What happens when they, when they fire a school superintendent? So in Douglas County, Colorado, for example, the school, which is one of the biggest counties in Colorado, we helped flip that school district back in 2021. The first thing they did was they said to the superintendent, please give us by September. It was like, I want to say March or April. They said by September, give us a list of recommendations of how you can make your diversity, equity and inclusion policy better. Now, they didn't say gut it. They didn't say get rid of it. They said, just make it better. Upon even the recommendation of making it better, the teachers union struck, had a strike. It, this is after kids had missed out over a year of in-person learning. And the superintendent helped advise the teachers union about holding the strike. So they fired the teachers, the teacher superintendent immediately, and they hired a new superintendent who is reviewing and changing the DEI policy. Um, another school district um, that in Texas, in Denton County, Texas, that we're or Frisco, sorry, Frisco ISD in Texas that we've been helping with. We have two of the five seats. We just need one more or five, two of the seven seats, whatever, because we need two more. Um, but the two conservatives that just got in have told the superintendent, they put him on watch saying, you are two seats away from absolutely being fired if you do not review your DEI policy and what teachers are doing professional learning seminars in, uh, in education. Because a lot of times what happens is after a teacher graduates college, they go become a teacher, they have an annual or semi-annual 
professional learning seminar. And that's where oftentimes where they invite these CRT professionals about how to incorporate CRT in their day-to-day classrooms. Um, another super school board that we helped flip, this was one of my proudest moments in Lansing, Kansas. Um, the school board, they didn't, they had, they had an okay relationship with the superintendent. It wasn't worth firing him over. But what they did was when the governor sat there and vetoed the parents, the Democrat governor of Kansas vetoed the Parents' Bill of Rights Act, the school board passed their own Parents' Bills of Rights Act, basically stating that no instruction within the entire school district can, um, can, can go with can can attack the 1965 Civil Rights Act. They can't sit there and demonize people by, by their race and their skin color. Um, they passed that. So there's all teaching guidelines within that school district passed by the school board that the teachers have to abide by. Um, they also pass things like healthcare decisions. You cannot sit there and advise children on certain healthcare decisions, both when it comes to transgender surgeries and when it comes to um, vaccine mandates. So a lot can be done at this very important local level. Um, and now with all the school boards we have flipped, there's over a million children who are living in school districts where there is a conservative school board, either majority or a very local minority because the school districts have flipped. I think um, what you're articulating here explains why we haven't heard a lot about the lower level seats, why we're only hearing about the federal stuff after after the midterms, because the federal stuff is kind of disappointing. It's a little disheartening. This stuff is so encouraging, Ryan. This is incredible. How many seats are you guys going to be working on in this coming year? So we are hoping, so the goal, because I'm a small pack. I have one full-time coworker, by the way, one full-time employee and me. So everyone else is like a few contractors who do help do mailers and treasurer and whatever. But um, we're hoping to raise $5 million this year to do 250 races. Now, you may be disenchanted with the midterms. I was. I was a little disappointed. And a lot of people were. But 29 states hold school board elections in 2023. And this is the year that we can really make a difference because there is no governor's election. There's no Senate election. There's no, I mean, there's a governor's election in like three states. There's no U.S. Senate election. There's no congressional election. All they have is school boards. So the turnout rate is minimal. I'm talking six, 7% turnout rate. If we activate conservatives and say, hey, look, this is what's actually happening in your school. This is what's going on. Turnout, bring your family and just turn out. If we get turnout to 11% or 12%, we'll win. We'll win in blue areas. That's what happened when I flipped the school boards in 2021 in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. Montgomery County has not voted Republican since 1984. But we flipped six out of eight school board seats because we're activating conservatives and no one else even knew that there was an election because that's the thing. Who votes in school board elections? Not many people. And because they're mostly nonpartisan people, there's no R or D behind their name. So we can play in areas that don't typically vote Republican because there is no Republican. There's no Democrat. There's just people, you know, I've gone to elections before where you sit there and say, I don't know, there's no party. Who am I voting for? I'll vote for the person whose name I like the most. It happens all the time. Um, this is how we're informing conservatives. Don't just, don't not vote and don't just guess who to vote for. These are the actual parents' rights activists running for school board. Which, I mean, this is, it's kind of the legal equivalent in a sense, the legal, ethical, moral equivalent of what the Democrats have done with their, their early voting and their ballot harvesting, that they go seek the votes in a way that they can target Democratic voters. And you're doing the same thing, like I said, in the good and proper and right and moral <laughs> way to take over these school board seats. 
Let, and I know you probably hate that comparison, but I don't, I don't care. I think it's an apropos <laughs> okay. comparison. Let me ask you, what about, what about parents who you haven't reached out to? What about parents who are listening to this right now, watching this conversation right now, who are thinking, wait a second, what he's articulating for the vision of education, I agree with. The, the, the examples that he needs from the school district, the awareness, the education, the involvement in the school district. I know the superintendent. I know what the teachers are teaching in class. I know the DEI policy. I can do this. How do they reach out to you to get help on properly executing a run for school board so that they can win? Right. So if you want to run, go to 1776projectpac.com and tell us you're a candidate or your friend's a candidate or whoever you know the candidate running who's really, really good. We'll interview them. We interview 100% of the people who apply. And um, if you don't want to run, but you know what's going on, then send us the information. You know, some of the best, one of the best things that we got last year, which I wish we had gotten a little earlier, but it was what it was in Bentonville, Arkansas, a red city in a red state in a red county. A student bravely recorded his teacher on audible, like audibly, audibly record, recording his teacher teaching CRT explicitly. It wasn't a hidden thing. It wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't some kind of. He construed anything else. He was teaching CRT and saying, "How can his essay students? How can we make critical race theory a positive thing in the country today?" And so we were able to take that audible recording and use it to sit there and campaign in a district where the incumbent school board members were backed by Walmart. Walmart was the person was a company sending the DEI officers in. And we didn't win every seat, but we did win a seat in that school board with a conservative school board parent um, because in part of that audit, that recording that that student did. So if you have any evidence, I'm talking take-home assignments, um, uh, teacher's information. If you're a teacher and you went through professional learning, um, a professional workshop, and they did CRT stuff, they said, apologize for being white. Send me that information. I will always keep it anonymous. Um, that's very, very helpful because I think that the information, once it's out there and once it's magnified, really awakens parents. A lot of, especially conservatives, sit there and say, it can't possibly happen in my red county or red area, but it does. Not all the time, but it happens in those places. So the more information, the better. And if you know someone running, sit there and have either you or them send us an email through our website and apply, and we will love to... In interview them and if we can support them if we have the money for it and we and we interview them and it's a great race we will 100% do it one of the most common things that people say to me probably the same with you is they agree with what we're saying they want to do their part and they don't know how they don't know if they're qualified they don't know what path to take to make a difference in between the elections right this is, let me tell you guys, this is how to do it. This is what I call an algorithm for victory that Ryan has created through the 1776 Project Pact. It's been really fun. And like I said, very encouraging, very energizing to see you put this put this into action and to see your success. I'm excited to see what you accomplish in 2023. Um, and I encourage everyone, go to 1776 Project Pact. It's P-A-C, projectpact.com to get involved in any way that you can. Ryan has a role for you, no matter what, <laughs> no matter what your skill set is. There's something that you can do to help this. And it's a way of protecting our children from this evil ideology, even when Republicans don't control Congress and we don't have the presidency. Ryan, thank you so much for sitting down and talking about this with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much.
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.